episode two of uh, Unnecessary Angst the Pod. We already had episode one, but this is our first official episode doing chapter by chapter recaps and discussions. So we're very, very excited to be able to start talking about the concealed chapters one through three with all of you. Um, but before we get into these specific chapters, let's just catch up quickly. Uh, Julia, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a tequila and tonic because I wanted to have a gin and tonic, but I forgot we were drinking tonight. So I had a margarita because I'm old. I can't mix alcohol and I have a tequila and tonic. What about you? I'm drinking um, brown sugar bourbon, which is a sweet bourbon uh, brewed not too far from me. It's, uh, it's, or crafted? How do you distilled? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right adjective is. I'm a noob. Um, it's distilled. I think in, it's distilled. Yeah, because it's a spirit. Distilled spirits. Okay, it's distilled in Gig Harbor, <laughs> Washington, <laughs> at Heritage uh, Distillery, and they make some some amazing little alcohols. So brown sugar bourbon is one of my favorites. And my mom went to Costco and brought me back a whole bottle today. So I figured, why not? dive right into it for this podcast you know your mom has her priorities right oh you should have seen the giant (laughs) bottle of vodka she brought home oh my my goodness costco vodka is a lot um she decided that she was gonna make homemade uh plum infused vodka today because i made a plum cake today and she used the leftover plums to make plum vodka so this has been our house. Oh, yeah. Feel free. Come fly to us. <laughs> Can you believe my mom has the, you know, bar area? I don't know what you would call it. Bar cabinet fully stocked with like all these weird alcohols, but no vodka. No, we don't have any vodka. Still no vodka. <laughs> we have not had vodka all of quarantine. I know. I was going to say, I left like I know. Three months ago, and there's still no vodka. <laughs> we still are vodka-less. We are running out of tequila. We're going to run out of gin, and we have no vodka. Okay, I when, know. When there's no gin in that house, it's going to be a very sad day. I we know. did so many it's... fun things with gin in, in your house. I enjoyed it. I love gin. I want some really good gin in the next round, though. This, the gin we got was pretty generic. I think you can get better gin. Probably true. Yeah, there's a lot of good gins out there. <laughs> we say it's true gin aficionado. Oh yeah, we're we're fancy gin drinkers over here. <laughs> you know us. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we uh we had fun in quarantine. It was fine. <laughs> we made some really good cocktails. We did make some really good cocktails. We we definitely upped our game a level while we were in in quarantine together and then I, I think at least for me my level's gone way downhill since I left oh yeah same I have basically like we tried all of the different kinds of cocktails you could possibly have well not really but we've tried a good array and then you left and I was like okay all I'm gonna drink now are margaritas and gin and tonics and that's it that's all I have had <laughs> so I'm not even making frozen margaritas I can't even get myself to make those I know. Julia, come on. 
I did I did make my mom frozen dark and stormies one night when we were when I first got Ooh. home so those were good lots of ginger very fun um but I was gonna say like I feel like you would have only been making margaritas and gin and tonics while I was there if I wasn't like yeah let's make alcoholic frozen butter beer yep <laughs> um well I'm not a big butterbeer fan in the first place but it's a harry potter thing you're my harry potter buddy so it's like i have to or had to do it yeah exactly yeah and they were way too sweet and we suffered through it they were i don't think i finished mine no you drank like i've been making it you it was a very fun process you only drank like a quarter of it and then i was like well i can't finish her butterbeer because then i'll be sick because i just drank my own so yeah, maybe not our finest moment, but it's fine. It's totally fine. It was fun. It was a fun time. It was time. an activity. It was. Now we have a new activity. Drinking across the country together while talking about Cheers. Bus. Cheers. <laughs> okay. So shall we dive into this synopsis? I think so. I'm going to be honest here. The prologue came and went so fast. It was useless. That- yeah, it was like there were parts of chapter one to where I was like, and that's in my notes. Like, I was like, why isn't this in the prologue? Why is this in chapter one? There's a three month. Okay, I guess I'll explain it. But basically, in the prologue, everyone's gonna hate my synopsis. I'm so terrible at these. Um, but There's basically, notes for you. <laughs> I know I'm going off your notes. Thank God. <laughs> you went way into details too. My synopsis would literally be well. Someone is dying. It's very depressing. And that's it. That's the prologue. <laughs> you have a lot more detail, which thank God. Um, <laughs> but we see that. Do we see that someone is trapped? Uh, they just say that there's like a blizzard happening or like a snowstorm. And like they can't really motivate the will to like move forward. <laughs> with their life so it's more like metaphorically trapped my but I have to say looking back I forgot how it's been a few days (laughs) how great that first line is they say time heals all wounds I am still waiting dot 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 how beautiful so great it just it really sets you up for the melodrama of this entire book which there's a lot of it really does Angst is Evelyn's game. She loves it. She lives and breathes <laughs> angst. Oh, God. I love it and I hate it all at once. Yep, pretty much. That's our relationship with this genre, though. <laughs> That's the point of the title of our podcast. Whole podcast. <laughs> um, I love that it, you point out rightly that there's a crow which is staring intently at them which is really funny because I think when I read it I didn't even think about it because it's such crows are such a like constant figure in YA novels that it doesn't mean anything to me anymore but maybe it does mean something they're everywhere (laughs) I mean that's the prologue (laughs) yeah someone has died the person misses whoever has died and they're just sad and wandering around in the snow like a crazy person and Mm -hmm. we get no other information no insight into 
who we're looking for or what's going on. Um, but don't worry, it'll come in a page because this prologue was completely unnecessary because of what's in chapter one. <laughs> and it should have been combined chapter one and the prologue. I don't understand that. It doesn't make anyway, any sense. Anyway, so thanks for your help with the prologue because clearly it had no impact on me. <laughs> You hate prologues anyways. They're not your I, I really hate prologues. Like, I have a, such a hate, just pure hate relationship with prologues. I know. I get why they're there. I get the point. But I find them so boring. And, like, most of the time they're not necessary. I agree. I think sometimes we have prologues that add an air of mystery and excitement. So, like, the prologue or the whatever it's called in Twilight, right? Where they she's talking about, like, the um ballet studio and like being about to die like it sets up this whole air of mystery that you don't really know what's going on and then you get to it later in the story and you're like oh that's what they were talking about so there's a little bit of added mystery there but this it like literally resolves itself in a page because chapter one starts behind where the prologue starts so it's not a prologue like it's just not <laughs> a prologue <laughs> Okay, well, so Anyways, chapter one, <laughs> now that we've ranted, <laughs> so chapter one, we start off with a funeral, um, and again, same as the prologue, it's very cold, it's clearly very sad, um, we learn that she, this person, do we even learn her name in the first chapter? I don't think we do. Zara's name or Evelyn's name? Evelyn's name. We, uh... I don't I th think that we do. Um, I mean, I wrote it down, but I don't know if I wrote it down because you just know it. I don't. I, we don't learn I, her name. We yes, we do. <laughs> it was addressed. I wanted to tell my sister that something had happened. I pulled out the heavy letter and looked it over. It was addressed to Evelyn Francis Catherine Lakewood. Okay. Well, clearly, I can't read. <laughs> it's okay. I got just you. Boating very well. <laughs> um, but so we learn that Evelyn's sister has died. Um, I have many thoughts about this, which I will go into later. Um, and she has lost, Evelyn has lost both of her parents and that Zara, the sister, basically raised her as her own daughter, but sisterly daughter. <laughs> and it's like Lilo that, and Stitch. And that she is, yes, <laughs> and that she's heading... <laughs> to Oxford to study at Oxford at Christ Church and then she cries and that's it that's chapter one you you might have more than I do but that's my synopsis yeah I would say um other things we learn about Evelyn's really sad like I don't think I that's actually the entire think chapter is the just entire chapter sad. is just like very vivid language about how melancholy and depressed Evelyn is um and Zara got custody of Evelyn when she was 18 which is crazy and she got custody of Evelyn while she was training to be a police officer but also then had to pick up a restaurant like to be a waitress just so she could oh, make yeah. sure that she was supported and <laughs> Evelyn really loved her and then the only other thing is that Christchurch, for those who don't know anything about Oxford, which I also don't even know if this is accurate because I know nothing about Oxford, um, is a it's like a sub school at Oxford and it seems like it's it's a college. It's a college within Oxford, 
to study and it's like focused on psychology um so evelyn's going to study psychology which hopefully she can figure out the root cause of her own depression and because <laughs> i want girl. better for her um but yeah that's pretty much chapter one chapter one we get a little bit of background on evelyn and zara but that's the whole purpose of chapter one a whole and three then pages it's really deep yeah, there's a lot mm-hmm. of content there. <laughs> um, the chapters get progressively longer in this first section. Like, chapter three is the first chapter that feels like a full chapter. Chapter two, Evelyn informs uh, Mrs. Prescott, her employer, the lady she babysits for, that she's getting into Oxford. And she's really excited for her. So then Evelyn flashes forward a little bit, and Evelyn gets home and is packing. Um and starts talking about a picture of her and Zara, and we learn about the necklace. Um, she has this unique necklace that she's wearing around her neck, and it's described as an equilateral downward pointing triangle made of a blue-green mineral on a silver chain with two superimposed waves engraved on it. So, a lot of detail for a very specific necklace. Um, Doesn't mean anything at all. Nope, we just know that she has this necklace and it's completely normal and all people describe their necklaces in this much detail. Uh, And then Evelyn (laughs) segues and tells us about a creepy guy that's been popping up in her life um, and following her. (laughs) So he first appeared- Also normal. Totally normal. He first appeared at the funeral, but she hasn't seen him lately. Um, So she thinks that's fine. And then- she scares herself by looking at herself in the mirror and she thinks she sees a corpse. So Evelyn, we need to teach you about self-care. I'm like real worried about her at this stage in the story. She leaves her apartment um, and takes all of her belongings that fit into two suitcases. Yikes. She goes off to Oxford. The Prescotts drive her to the train station and She's grateful for their company because she has no friends and has always been a loner, which we'll talk about. (laughs) She leaves them, manages to get on the train just in the nick of time, and then flashes back to a memory when she was at the bank a few weeks ago and found out that Zara left her $10,000 in the form of a life insurance policy. So she can partially use that to pay for college, I guess. And then... She keeps reminiscing, falls asleep, gets off the train in Oxford, and a nice middle-aged woman with a taxi is there to pick her up, Ruth, Mrs. Prescott's cousin, and she takes her to the dorms. And we also learn a little bit more about where Evelyn exactly is with Oxford. So she's actually a trimester behind. She's coming there in December or January and um, is, like, worried that she's going to be behind all of her classmates because she got in off the wait list. And she also learned that Ruth's daughter recently graduated in medicine from Oxford. So Ruth is very proud of her. Um, Evelyn then unloads all of her baggage onto Ruth, telling her about all of the deaths in her family. And we learned that Zara was killed during active duty as a police officer. So she was killed on the job. Um, Ruth is trying to take care of her as best as she can and gives her her phone number um, in case Evelyn ever needs someone to talk to. Then we get a prickly RA waiting to explain all of the rules and judging her if she breaks any of them, who takes her to her dorm so she can unpack. She unpacks and is sad that she doesn't have a bathtub. 
because she loves water and sitting in water. And then she uses the last minutes before bed to open up her internal memory box and allow a few happy memories from the past to wash over her as she cries herself to sleep. So um, I'm really hoping one of her first classes is going to be about repression and how to healthily deal with it. <laughs> very, it. Very concerned about her little memory box that has a lock on it. Yeah, me too. Um, anything to add for chapter two, Julia? Uh, no, but this was the first chapter without a huge time jump. So very get proud. A, get little bits of time jumps, but not a lot. Only, only small ones. Tiny, like a week at a time rather than yeah. six months. Oh, goodness. All right. So then moving on to chapter three, which, again, this is the first, like, real full chapter. And it's full school mode. So I'm not sure, Julia, was this, like, feeling super sad and real to you at the same time because you can't actually be on a campus yet? Honestly, yes, and I will talk about it more later, but oh my gosh, I have a lot of jealousy reading this. Also a lot of anxiety, but mostly jealousy. She gives me a lot of anxiety every time I read about her life. She does. <laughs> a lot of secondhand embarrassment, but you know, a lot of stuff happens during this first chapter. It's a very unfortunate. So we start with Evelyn waking up, realizing she only has 30 minutes to get to class, and she never unpacked her alarm clock because college kids. So she's going to her first class called Narcissism and Destructiveness. Great name. And doesn't have any idea where this class is. She runs around, is super lost, and a redhead girl offers her directions, but sends her to the wrong place, sends her to the dining hall. And Evelyn had already been standing in front of the right lecture hall and the girl totally screwed her over um so evelyn manages to figure that out she gets back sneaks into the class 10 minutes late sits down everything's good to go but of course she manages to sit in the one trick seat so her chair breaks and everyone turns and looks at her because she makes a lot of noise <laughs> um the lights start flickering the redhead's making some snarky comments and then we meet Sally, who hands Evelyn her book and introduces herself, letting her into the spare seat next to her. So Sally's a deer. We we stand a Sally. Um, Evelyn feels while she's in the class like she's being watched, which, given her stalker history, is concerning. Um, but it's just a boy staring at her with blue, dark blue eyes. She breaks or Sally breaks her focus because she's just staring at this boy without any abandon, and explains that he's Jared Calmbury. Uh, Sally does not like him. He's a descendant of the famous Calmbury family clan, and he's the last one of the Calmburys because his parents and his sister died 12 years ago, which coincidentally is also when Evelyn's parents died. So it has no meaning to the story at all. They just both happened to die 12 years ago. Coincidence. Um, totally coincidental, you know? In a book there. that is completely coincidental. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she spends the rest of her class staring at Jared, and she wants to go talk to him at the end, but she can't because she meets Felix, who comes up and introduces himself and asks to walk her to her next class. Um, she's talking about him in her head and says that he's handsome, but not in a perfect way and lets him walk her to class. Uh, they chat a bit more. So she's learning more about like what's going on in the college. 
Felix, also similar to Sally, has choice words to say about Jared and all the rich kids. He's there on a scholarship and assumes that Evelyn also doesn't have money because she's different, different from the others. And then after I'm not like lunch, other girls. <laughs> no, no, Julia, this was you're not like other girls. Oh yes, sorry, she's not like other girls. <laughs> Um, so she, she accepts going to lunch with him. She sits through a few more classes, intro to psych, statistics, history of psychoanalysis. Um, history of psychoanalysis is the first class we learn a little bit more about. It's taught by Karen Mayflower. And, uh, Evelyn seems to really like her. She's, she's paying good attention in the class. The lights are really bright. Everything's great. Um, but then she notices Jerry Colmbury staring at her again. And he seems just as interested in her as she is in him. Um, then Prof Professor Mayflower calls her out on being completely absent-minded and not paying attention in her first day of class. And Evelyn turns to face her, and Professor Mayflower goes a little bit crazy and just says, Nimue, that's impossible, and runs out of the classroom with no explanation. Um, Evelyn feels self-conscious again because all these embarrassing things keep happening to her and she looks for Jared and he's already gone. Then Felix just appears out of like right in front of the classroom. Um, keep this in mind. He dropped her off three classes ago. But he just suddenly <laughs> knows that she's still in this building. Um, he picks totally normal he picks her up for lunch given the snow he doesn't want her to get lost and everyone keeps staring at her and she's super uncomfortable but he keeps her moving and then he sees jared and professor mayflower talking in an alley um and he makes another comment about jared being a suck up or a teacher's pet um mayflower is very animated she's talking with her hands like very engaged and jared's trying to calm her down but she seems Evelyn's getting a vibe that she seems concerned that Jared was like looking at Evelyn and she doesn't really understand why. So Felix and Evelyn grab their food, they sit down, and Sally comes over to join their table, jokes that Evelyn needs to be careful around Felix, that they, they clearly have some kind of a friendship jokey vibe going on, and joins them for lunch. We learn that Sally and Felix are in the same study group. Felix is clearly upset that Sally is... <laughs> inching in on his one-on-one -on -one Evelyn time. Um, but they invite her to join the study group and Felix notes that statistics and math are his strong suit so he can help her because she's not very good at math. Which, great. We all need a man to teach us math. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so the next class, because she hasn't had enough classes today, uh, is behavioral psychology. Sally's in her class. And then communication psychology after that sally's still in her class and she's getting all prim proper all cleaned up putting on makeup because uh the professor is very handsome and the only ring he is wearing is a ring with a crest so it's not going to be a wedding ring it's like a family heirloom or some stupid shit who cares you know because he's not married that's all the girls care about then she gets back to her dorm, calls Mrs. Prescott to check in and let her know that everything's okay, daydreams in the shower about Jared, and then um, talks to herself about how excited she is that she has friends. 
in the form of Sally and Felix, starts organizing all of her stuff for the next day and reading bios of her teachers. And we learn that Karen Mayflower is a published author with many books on Arthurian concepts and things related to Avalon. Um, and somehow, that makes Evelyn think of Jared, so she Googles him, too, and learns more about how his parents died and his sister. They died in a plane crash, and everyone survived, or everyone died but him. He was the sole survivor from the plane crash. And then she starts to flash back to her family members' deaths and goes back into repression mode and blocks all of it out, and that's the end of the chapter. And we've come full circle. <laughs> and we've come totally full circle. All right, that was a lot. Oh, my goodness. Well, a lot happened in chapter three compared to chapters one and two. I know. Chapter three was a lot. <laughs> that was a whole day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it oh. was. How many classes? Just like anxiety six inducing. classes. Who has six college That's classes? That's what I said. I was like, what What kind of teaching do they do over there in England? I'm so concerned. <laughs> so, oh yeah, God. I don't know how she's doing that. But maybe she has the same classes every day. We'll find out. I don't know how you'd ever do homework because... I don't know how we ever got homework done in high school, but maybe there's some way. I mean, I guess it makes sense in a way if they're doing trimesters. I don't know. That's true. You know, it's Yeah, but it still doesn't quite make sense because my university does that as well, and we're not packing. I have one class per day. <laughs> um, so maybe it's just a weird England thing, or maybe it's a weird German thing that the author somehow slipped into her <laughs> interpretation of English classes. Oh, God. Well, somebody is not having a fun time overseas. That's, That's true. That's all I'm going to say. It's not us, so we're fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Should we start going through our thoughts on the, the prologue in Chapter 1 and Chapter oh, 2? Because yes. Chapter 3 is going to be like a whole separate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's get through the other quick stuff. <laughs> well, I have no thoughts on the prologue. I blacked out while reading it. <laughs> I think I was just like, I'm not here for it. I'm going to read it, get through it, and move on to chapter one. So my notes start at chapter one. The That's prologue fair. doesn't exist. <laughs> I, my, what are your thoughts? my thoughts on the prologues I just I was very I really related to all of the melodrama that Evelyn was experiencing in the prologue um like she was feeling all the stages of grief at one time <laughs> and it was just a lot but I really appreciated the drama I also this and this kind of ties into chapter one but like the constant like hitting home of how cold it was felt very like metaphorical to me that it wasn't actually that cold but it was cold in her heart and so everything felt cold grief yep is cold numb makes you numb yeah exactly there we go that's what i'm looking for <laughs> we get there together <laughs> it's fine <laughs> we make a good team i just spit out ideas and you finish them <laughs> It's just, uh, it was very, it was very cold. That's all I got. So was chapter one. <laughs> yep. That's, I literally put a comment again with the cold. It feels like a point is being hammered home. The world is cold because our protagonist is metaphorically cold. I mean, 
I kind of relate. I got called out on one of my group meetings the other day because I was putting on a sweater and everyone, all of my four of my team members were going, why are you putting a sweater on? It's not, it's not winter yet. And I was like, I'm just always cold. That's true, you are. The That's world fair. is cold. I am. It's who I am. Yeah. For someone who grew up in a cold environment, I I don't, I've never acclimated. <laughs> That's, yeah, n- me neither. I mean, mine was not as cold <laughs> as yours, but I, I need to just everything to be like 40 degrees and then I'm like happy. That's my happy temperature. Because it's 40? cozy, yeah, because it's cozy enough to wear a sweater, but it's not too cold that you need to like bundle, bundle up. See, I get cold at 60. <laughs> All right, you little it's 40, I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, 30 is the worst, you know, Fahrenheit. That's freezing, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, 40 is still a little bit too chilly for me, I think. Um, That's fair. I like, a, I, I like a good sweater. Like, if I can wear a good wool sweater, maybe in, like, the 50s, I'm very happy. <laughs> Let's see. What else was I going to say? Oh, I put in comments about how stupid that having a prologue was because by the time we get to paragraph four of chapter one, we've already hit the time of the prologue. So it's like paragraphs one through three (laughs) are pre-prologue, which just like defeats the purpose of a prologue, but I'm not going to rant about that for forever. Evelyn, if she's writing this book, clearly doesn't know how to write down her thoughts because she's dealing with grief. So we're just going to forgive her for it. Um... (laughs) Also, uh, college, how do wait lists work? Because the way that the getting off the wait list in Oxford is described does not seem real. That is an excellent question. I don't think it works like that, which I mean, I'm what my guess is and why I didn't think anything of it is there's something going on behind the scenes, right? Like there's a reason that she got into Oxford off the wait list so late so I'm like guessing that somebody had a hand in it and it's not usual but maybe it is usual and like England really is that weird or Germany I don't know I it just it feels very fishy that one kid dropped out like how are you dropping out your first trimester at Oxford it's Oxford <laughs> you're not a fool if you got into Oxford in the first place I mean, Just, considering she's taking six classes a day. That's fair. Though, that's very overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has Maybe had a study group. It. It's very messy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it seems, to your point, it seems shady. Also, like, I'm not really sure how she can afford this. Because even with the life insurance money, which we learn about a little bit later in Chapter 2, like, she doesn't have any money. <laughs> And Oxford's not, it doesn't cost as much as it costs in the States, but it's not cheap either. So, uh, be interesting. What do Brits do about FAFSA? They must Uh, have loans. Probably have loans, just like any other. Oh my god, she is going to be swimming in them. (laughs) True. Poor girl. I know, it's so sad. and grief so sad i know she put in a comment she's like i missed her so much it almost killed me and i was just being snarky and i said but if you die now we have no story so hold off on dying (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh no. I was taking very sassy comments in my Kindle version of this book. Whoops. Um, can we also just talk oh, about the same. fact that like Zara deserves all of the praise for being a miracle. Like she's I want a book about Zara. Because yeah. a spin-off. I would impressive. I would read it. She's impressive. Um and apparently Evelyn got some money working in a liquor store. This is very European. <laughs> yeah, I don't I just can't picture a 19-year-old working in a liquor store. Like it just baffles me. I mean, I and it's just so specific to like the fact that she worked in a liquor store. I don't understand why it's just like a fact that's thrown in there. Like she could have just said, "My and summer she had job." A job. Yeah, <laughs> like a part-time job gig, you know. It's so weird. But it's a liquor store. Well, because you know you have to give just enough details to make the reader believe the story. So. Yeah, but it's the kind of detail that I'm like, okay, so is this liquor store gonna make a comeback in like a later chapter and um, affect the plot line? No, it's not. Okay, I thought you were going to say yes, it does. I was going to cry. It does not. I don't think we oh, ever no. go back to her hometown ever again. It just like, stays oh, in my Oxford. Gosh. Um, okay, wait. So next in the book is the necklace. Oh, oh my God. Wait, first of all, back in chapter one before we move on, this okay. is one of my favorite parts of chapter one. On the... I think it's on her tombstone for Zara. It mm-hmm. says, wonderful human being. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> My voice just cracked while saying that because I'm like so stunned. Why would you write that on a tombstone? I mean, is this normal? I don't know. I haven't, I guess, spent enough time in a cemetery to look at tombstones at length. <laughs> but I feel like that's not normal. Um... No, like beloved sister, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but yeah, wonderful human being is a little. You normally just put the the ages, like when yeah. they were born and when they died. So, but you know what? Maybe you have full control over what you put on a tombstone. So if that's what Evelyn wanted, great. We support her in her decision making in this particular instance. I don't support her in most of her decision making. Um, yes. <laughs> she makes some very bad decisions. But she wouldn't be uh, a YA heroine if she made good decisions. She didn't. Yes. So <laughs> there's that. Um, okay, but the necklace, Julia. I need to get your thoughts on everything surrounding the necklace. Oh, well, I have this great note that says, a necklace described in detail? Definitely not a hint. <laughs> I'm like, the amount of like fine wording that went into describing this little necklace and like at length not even just a passing comment like oh that's a beautiful necklace and it's emerald green or something it's like no it looks like this it shines like this it's shaped like this it has some waves engraved in it it's very i am very excited to find out what it means because it's 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 a necklace. It's a necklace, but it is, I think it's very important here in the way that it's described. 
it's a water necklace. Like, it is a necklace mm-hmm. that is supposed yes. to embody the element of water. Um, it has waves in it. It's blue-green. Like, it's supposed to be water-themed. But, <laughs> okay, a, a couple of thoughts I had. Why is a vendor at a flea market demanding a steep price for anything? And what is a steep price at a flea market? <laughs> well, okay, so from my experience <laughs> at one flea market mm, yes. in New York City, <laughs> these vendors are crazy. They will, like, ask, like, this jacket that I got was supposedly designer, and you could tell from the zipper that it wasn't really a designer jacket, right? But they will ask a crazy amount of money until you haggle it down. So what my guess is, is she just didn't even try to haggle. She was like, okay. (laughs) I must have this necklace. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's calling to me. Um, And well, so and then specifically, like her mom bought her this necklace when she was unborn, right? Like she was pregnant with her and bought her this necklace thinking like, oh, yes, nothing. (laughs) This will be for my daughter. And then she never gave her daughter. She just wore the necklace the entire time. And then eventually was like, ah, daughter, happy sixth birthday. Here, have this necklace. Like, why sixth birthday? Six is the devil's number times three. Her mother also died very soon after giving her the necklace, Julia. (laughs) Wow. She knew. Well, it's just, it, it seems weird that her mom was wearing the necklace instead of just like having it in a box waiting for her. And if it was supposed to be hers and also her parents didn't died that long after and she said that the necklace would protect it will her protect you Ooh. wow no i didn't even think about that i just yeah. thought oh the necklace is significant well, that's <laughs> okay. important that's good you're picking up on it's funny because like i i know how some of the things come into play like i don't remember all of it because it's been ages since i read this book but i remember like bits and pieces here and there and so, like, going back to rereading it all now, it's, like, some of the foreshadowing of things is, like, clubbing me over the head. <laughs> Connecting the dots. Upon reread. And then, but I definitely didn't notice all of these things on my first read. So it's just very interesting coming back to it. I will also say, just, like, general thought, I, I the descriptions in these first couple of chapters are much better than I remember them being because I just remember all of the clunky dialogue but like it's actually written pretty well very melodramatically (laughs) but it's written pretty well um like I can actually picture who's being described and like what's happening and paint pictures in my mind normally I do a horrible job with that at books so that made me happy in these first couple of chapters It really makes me wonder what the original German was like. Probably not understandable to us. (laughs) Not to us. (laughs) I wonder if it's better, because you lose a lot of that description in translations. Oh, definitely. But it's still, like, I think it's actually pretty decent description still. It could be a lot less descriptive, so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm happy we get to at least keep some of it. 
Um, and then I know we were talking about this earlier, but I never mixed well with people my age. That's why I was always a loner at school. Like, uh, can this trope die? Uh, my favorite trope. What are you talking about? I am different. I'm not like other girls. I don't have friends. I don't get along with anyone. I mean, <laughs> I I know that it works really well for young adults, like, as for the genre, because the girls who are reading these books feel this way in high school. Because I know, because I was one of those girls. <laughs> I was like, everyone's really immature. I only want to hang out with adults. Like, I hate this. Um, but now I'm just like, it makes girls feel separate and that's how people prey on them <laughs> and it scares yeah, me and I just dangerous. don't like it so I would like the trope to die even though I definitely loved it as a teenager well I think you can still have a girl that is different without being like kind of this loner thinking of themselves as different right like, as you can separate. make that known in other ways Right, let's just um, go back to, like, quirky. Let's have quirky people. Like, Blue in Raven Cycle. Like, she's totally oh, at peace so with herself. Good. And she's just quirky. And she's different from other girls her age. But, like, in a way that is, she's com- comfortable with it. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, she never says, like, oh, I'm different. I'm not like other girls. I don't get along with them at all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, she has a she just sense is. of who she is. Yeah. yeah. I know. I love it. I love it. that. Ugh. She's so good. Yeah, it's so, so good. Um, Great example. (laughs) And then we, so we learned that Zara only left her the $10,000, which I'm like still baffled. Like even with a partial scholarship and the money that she saved up from her job and this $10,000, like she maybe can pay for her first year. How is she supposed to pay for the next (laughs) three? Evelyn's going to be in debt. I just love that they talk about life insurance. I'm like, how many YA books do you read where they talk about life insurance? I don't think I've ever read that in a YA book. Do we <laughs> they read talk that about, in like, any books? Not, well, I think it comes into play in some regular fictional fiction novels, but not definitely not in YA. Like, you hear more in YA, you know, Inheritance. Or mm-hmm. trust fund, for instance. Never life insurance. It's interesting. Well, you don't deal with that many poor people who would have been in a situation where someone would have taken out life insurance. Like, I think mm-hmm. the act of taking out life insurance, even coming from Evelyn's background, where they barely had enough to scrape by, is, like, very unique and strange, because that's not something that most people would think to do in Zara's specific yeah. situation. So it's it's very, like, heartwarming that that happened. And also, mm-hmm. everyone should always make sure that you have a life insurance policy. It's very important. Yes, this is true, actually. This is a good life lesson. <laughs> yep. Oh, this is where we get the creepy dude, which we t- talked about in the summary, but I just... All I said was get a restraining order because clearly, I mean, come on. If he is showing up everywhere, that's not coincidence. She's got to go to the, like, wasn't her sister a policewoman? I feel like she should know about this sort of thing. She should go and report that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, 
the that man is definitely going to come back into play in something. I don't remember what exactly, but he's definitely important. Um, though I'll I'll save this for my pop culture. It reminded me of a pop culture thing, um, which I will save for our pop culture <laughs> segment. Um, but okay, so what did you think about Ruth? That's um, two, right? Yeah. Yes. Um. The she was this yeah the, the, the taxi cousin. driver the cousin yeah she was like oh okay so this is my whole thing with the first three chapters all the people that she meets are so forward and i feel like that's so un-british i feel like brits are very kind of they're very composed they kind of hold back they don't want to be upfront. and like here's ruth like giving her her telephone number telling her like all of this good stuff that she needs to hear. And, like, she's a good character from what I can tell. But I'm also kind of, like, put off because I'm, like, I would feel really weird. And I don't know. Maybe that's me being kind of introverted in a way. But Evelyn tells her entire life story to this woman. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, she's basically family, right? Because Mrs. Prescott and her husband have and little Timmy have been their like adopted fam have been her adopted family for the past couple of months and she's been all alone. And so she I think just inherently trusts Ruth because she's tied to Mrs. Prescott. Um but it's definitely interesting. Like the bluntness of the characters in this book feels like a combination of a German and a New Yorker Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, So I think part of it's probably being influenced by the German author and like how she interacts with people because it doesn't feel British at all. Like they're so passive in every interaction. (laughs) Bluntness (laughs) is not, forwardness is like definitely not a thing. It takes you like 10 steps to get to the same place that it took Ruth one. So I agree with you there. Um, Though I do love that she is just like a casual middle-aged woman rocking a beret. Like, I'm here for that. And driving a taxi. I love that. It's amazing. It's so good. Whenever I get a female taxi driver, I'm like, I have won the lottery. This is the best. It's so I feel so safe. I mean, so I guess on that level, I can kind of relate. I'm like, I feel a lot safer with a female taxi driver than I do with a male taxi driver. Yeah. Evelyn, I kind of understand you. And it's like she drove a taxi, but she wasn't really there as a taxi driver. She was there as like a family friend. She was a friend. friend. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, the family and their little Timmy gets me. Because we don't, he just, we don't learn about Timmy. We learn about little Timmy, which I'm pretty sure is a direct German translation. (laughs) That should probably not have been translated like that. Should have just been Timmy. Americans and Brits, I don't think that any of us say little Timmy. <laughs> Unless it's like a cute fawn, fondness kind of thing. I don't know. But oh, definitely not Timmy. like casually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was so weird to me. It's a bit strange. I, yeah, some of the translation choices are, are interesting. Anyways, so Evelyn... Oh. Yes. I was also going to just say, they're also the ones who try to convince... I was so taken aback by this. Why were they trying to convince Evelyn not to move to Oxford? They're like, you can stay with us. And this girl got into, like, a really good school. I'm sorry, what? 
Um, because she can't afford Oxford and she's setting herself up for a lifetime That's of debt, true. Julia. <laughs> they knew it. They knew it all along. They knew. They're just trying to make sure she's financially stable so she could continue to spend her life working at the liquor store and babysitting their son. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the real reason. It's selfish. They just wanted to not have to find a new babysitter. A little Timmy. A little yeah. Timmy. I don't know. It is what it is. But so we meet Ruth. She's obviously Evelyn has her phone number now, so she's probably going to come back and <laughs> at a okay. later point in time. Um, and then Evelyn gets into her dorm and unpacks and she this girl has a water fascination. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. loves she loves water, which is very fun considering she is a water necklace. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's pure coincidence. It's just super coincidence. There's nothing weird going on with her and her love for water. It's totally normal. Oh, I like no, I didn't too. Well, so that's what I was going to say. Is like I didn't think much of it until you said that um with the necklace, but it's also very German to take baths. They love their baths. Like when you look up or go to a German house, the emphasis is on the nice bathtub. <laughs> It's true. So in some ways, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to think much about it because it's just a cultural thing. But now that you bring it up, I'm kind of like, oh, wait, that's kind of weird. Hmm. Anyway. Well, but like, I feel that way in my life when I don't see a place with a bathtub. I'm like, mm, it's a stand-up shower. Like, that sucks. But I wouldn't comment on it in my internal monologue. So... <laughs> Yes, that is true. Yes. It's just a little no point. <laughs> little bit extra. Um <laughs> but I don't I don't know. It it is what it is. She falls asleep and then wakes up late because the girl didn't unpack her alarm clock. Like she unpacked everything <laughs> else and didn't unpack her alarm clock. I can't. I just I don't know. I'm I don't know. I but got so much anxiety reading that. Yeah. <laughs> At least she gets her own bathroom. Like, she spent 20 minutes getting ready. I want to know what she was doing. Like, it from what she says she's doing, it's not 20 minutes long. It cleaning takes like her two face. seconds. Like, what? Maybe five minutes. I just don't understand her. I don't. I can't with her. Though I do, you know, I ran my fingers through my hair and put it in a ponytail. That's my only way to style hair um as you know I don't know how to style my hair any other way so <laughs> I don't understand what the big deal is like why is she commenting on that like it's a bad thing I don't get it um and then the man comes back so that's fun yeah wait is he also in the class or am I making that up no you're just thinking she felt the eyes on her and so we think it's oh, gonna be it. but it's Jared um but no she just sees a man and she like just brushes it off again and I was like thinking in my head I'm like Evelyn stop brushing it off like you have angst about every other single thing that's happening in your life can you please feel fear like just (laughs) please feel fear about the fact that you're being followed not brush it off like you're imagining things ah makes no sense (laughs) oh it's like this is when the angst is necessary the one time it's necessary. She doesn't feel it. Nope. No. Nope. She just continues to bemoan the loss of a bathtub. And then, oh my god, the redhead girl. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just, is this high school? <laughs> like, I, this girl is so mean. She's doing, I, I don't know if like, it, once again, it's a cultural thing. But once you move to college, aside from maybe fraternities and sororities, you're not going to send someone deliberately to the wrong location just for kicks. This girl is, needs to grow up. <laughs> right? Like, seriously. I just don't understand. Like, it's hard enough being a woman in today's society. Can we just not all support each other, please? Like, we're all adults. Let's, come on. Just try a little bit harder, red-haired girl, whose name we'll eventually learn, I'm sure. Because um, she's obviously going to become important because she's in multiple classes of Evelyn's. Yay. Uh, Yay. And then um, she has the classic klutzy entrance can't be a YA heroine without being a klutz. It's required. Uh, Sally sounds Mm -hmm. super cool. I love every part of her description. She sounds so fun. (laughs) Hair dyed dark red and violet. Like, I can just picture that in my head, and I'm like, yeah. Cool. Got a nose nose stud. You got some crazy colored hair. Sounds like a fun time. Doesn't sound like someone you'd see in Oxford in a psychology class, but I'm here for it. I, I was like, I'm sorry, where are we again? <laughs> but okay, if it works, it works. I mean, I'm I'm here for it. It's great. Um, we get some interesting commentary all throughout Chapter 3. Um, I just wanted to see if you were picking up on this. The light. Yeah, I noticed that. But I didn't make a note of it because I was kind of like waiting for something to happen and nothing happened. You're waiting for the lights so to like, explode. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, that was a big build up for absolutely nothing to happen in chapter three. So I'm guessing from what you're saying, it's, something will happen, but I'm still waiting. <laughs> but what do we think is causing the lights flickering? Do we think it's faulty maintenance? Do we think it's one of the characters? It has to be one of the characters. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. The question is, is it Evelyn or is it Jared? Ooh. And I don't remember. I... So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my money on Evelyn. I feel like, and this is completely my guess, I feel like maybe it's one of these emotional things. Like she affects stuff around her. Mm. And so because she is emotional, the lights are flickering. I support that. That's a great reading. It's completely wrong, probably. No, but, that's but it, where I'm at. I I get it because when she's listening attentively to uh, Professor Mayflower, the lights get really bright. So that it could just be affected by her mood. I fully support that reading. I don't remember if Thank that's you. right or not. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with the fact that We're it probably is. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I feel so bad for Jared Combury. He, this poor boy, is, like, just interested in this new girl. And all of the people around this new girl are, like, shitting on his character. And then the teacher's yelling at him. I know. I was like, whoa, okay. I guess we don't like him. <laughs> well, Sally and fast. Felix don't. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, what are the chances, do you think, that both of their parents died 12 years ago? I mean, I think given it's YA novel, 
It is completely coincidental. There's no chance that it has any meaning on either of their lives whatsoever and the fact that somebody told her in the first day of learning about who he is. Yep. It's coincidental. Completely coincidental. England's a huge country, so. Exactly. You know? (laughs) So I'm guessing it has something to do with something later on, but I have no guesses as to what. Like, my guess would be that they're related, but, like, clearly they're not. They were they died in separate crashes. Yeah. The parents. Well, one of them so. could have been adopted. I don't know. Brother, <gasps> sister. That's not what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. They're not related. Um, I don't know if you've been able to pick up on this sexual tension that the two of them are having. But they're each no. other's love interests. In <laughs> I had no idea. Tell me more. <laughs> she doesn't spend every waking minute in chapter talking three about thinking eyes. about him. Well, it's it's fun how it like devolves into like darker, darker thoughts. Like she's like, mm, he has <laughs> such pretty eyes, and then she's like, he's not slim. But not muscly. He's an athlete's figure. And I wonder what kind of sport such a body of perfection would play. And I wonder what it would feel like. <gasps> yes, Python, stop. I can't think about that. Oh, I'm so happy her libido is waking up. Because girl needs to get some. <laughs> She's been so sad and lonely. She needs uh, some happiness. I hope for that for she her. She does. I, just, I, uh... hope, I hope it's not toxic. Yeah, um, I don't think Jared's toxic. I think Jared's is a misunderstood rich boy. You know, like all of the misunderstood Ah, the other YA boys. trope. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, Felix makes a comment when he's talking to her for the first time where he says, like, let's hope he doesn't know you by name or he'll deduct a point from your exam for that little stunt and then smiles. Like, why are you smiling at her potential test scores going down? Felix, that's not I how mean, you flirt. come on. This is how we all flirted back in the day. We just insulted everyone constantly. But, like, starting off that way is very strong. I'm going to give Felix the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of, you know, ex- experience with the girls. We don't know. I mean, he hangs out with Sally. She doesn't seem to think he has any experience <laughs> Yeah, but don't they say later on they both managed, or was it just Felix who managed to drive away all of their other friends? No, it was Sally, because she's very argumentative. Yeah, there we go. And he's just there for the ride. I guess so. So what are your thoughts on Felix? You know, I thought that he was pretty good. He seems too plain somehow. Okay. Like, we get more details. I, I don't know how to articulate this. He, we get more details about Jared than we do about Felix. But she's spending a lot more time with Felix, but we don't know anything about him. Well, it's because she's so, thinking about Jared. That's true. But even when in the class when Sally's talking about Jared, it's like a full history of Jared. Why doesn't Sally talk about Felix? Because she wasn't That's staring at Felix. She was staring at Jared. That's true. That's and true. she did ask. She's like, who's that boy? <laughs> With the eyes over there. 
I think he, I think Felix is kind of like a little bit creepy. I don't know. I just, I get vibes. And this is also just me being somebody who like finds every man to be kind of weird. <laughs> Fair. So <laughs> I'm probably not the best judge of character, but <laughs> that's my take. I think he's kind of creepy. The fact that he shows up and doesn't even like at her classroom and doesn't even know where she is, like that was a big red flag. Like, did you look up her schedule? I don't understand. How would he even get information? Like, did he break into the academic records office? Like, how does he get that information? It's very creepy. Um, I'm getting just a whole host of red flags from Felix. Like, he doesn't give her a chance to say no to things, which stresses me out. He's very aggressive and forward in, like, his line of questioning. And he gets way too upset when Sally comes to join them for lunch. Like... He's like real butthurt about it. And it's like, she's in your study group. She's supposed to be your friend. Also, you don't need to hog all of this girl's attention on her first day of class. Like, chill, dude. She doesn't owe you anything. Like, I need you to nope. calm down. It's just, I don't know. It, I don't like it. I also, I remember how much I love Jared. And so it makes me mad how, like, grumbly he is about Jared because he's simplifying mm. the social class discussion like way too much he's making huge assumptions about all of these people that he's never met saying that they're all like shallow and stuck up and like horrible people but I don't know how much of that is actually coming from his own experience or his jealousy that he has to be there on scholarship and doesn't have a family that can pay for that stuff that would just, be my, that, yeah, that last yeah. one would be my take. Right, exactly. Because it just feels like there's way too much animosity towards Jared when, like, poor dude's also been through a lot, considering he was the only survivor of a plane crash that killed his entire family. Like, that sucks. Well, and, and to quote Pride and Prejudice, he can't help that he's so wealthy. True. You know? True. He's, he was just, just born that is. way. Lady Gaga loves Lady Gaga. people too. <laughs> I have thoughts about Mayflower, but... Well, we can talk about them. <laughs> well, first of all, and this is more of a pop culture reference. Okay. She reminds me so much about of, of Professor Trelawney in that moment where she storms out. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is exactly like Professor Trelawney and her visions. Like, what did she see in Evelyn? That's what I want to know is like, okay... Clearly, we know now that I, th- I think it's pretty obvious, and from what you told me, I kind of can assume that she's Nimue, right? Ish. Confirmation? Okay, ish. Or a version of her, sorry. Descendant, yeah, something like A descendant, like that. yes. Um, but I would just want to know, like, is it the necklace? <laughs> is it her <laughs> facial features? What about her is screaming this? Maybe it's her eyes, you know? Maybe she has those, like, sea green eyes that that someone is associating with Nimue. Maybe it's because Professor Mayflower knows something that we don't, and so she sees Jared staring at her, and that's indicating something. Does Jared not stare at anyone else? (laughs) Well, but... Blinders. He's, like, hardcore focused on her in Mayflower's class, and I think Mayflower sees it. Um, mm. And then something in Evelyn's face, like, confirms for her 
that she has something to do with Nimue. But, like, it's just a very weird to, like, bolt out of your class. It's, yeah, that's a Trelawney thing to do. It's just like, I'm done with, I did a prophecy, I'm done, farewell. Yeah, it was, uh... I'm retiring. Well, then it's also super weird that she's, like, arguing with Jared Mm -hmm. in an alley (laughs) right after class. Yeah, that's completely normal for a professor to do that with their student in an Mm -hmm. alley. 100%. That's weird. uh, I feel like that could be a (laughs) write-up. Probably. Thing, but... Yeah. Well, but... Anyway. Clearly, there's there's (laughs) vibes going on, you know? Um, And then... Yep. Oh my god, half of my notes in this whole section are just comments on all the red flags that Felix has presented. That's so funny because mine is much, my notes are all much more about like the general kind of descriptions of people. I have very few red flags, but you're looking out for them because you know what's happening. And I'm like, la di da di da, he's wearing a tweed jacket. How very academia of him. Well, I mean, but that's also true. But like when Evelyn's like, the Felix came and picked her up, how did he know where I was? I was like, he shouldn't, Evelyn. That's a red flag. Fear this. Or then, no, come on, let's go, I urged him, which he seemed to like because he was grinning and let me pull him along. And I was like, no, your autonomy and authority <laughs> is not a game, Evelyn. Red flag. <laughs> I was I was just getting all the vibes and I was making notes of them as I saw them. Um and then Jared stares at her from the alley, and then he sees Felix and seems perturbed. And I was like, me too, Jared. Me too. Thanks for being <laughs> the sole voice of reason, even though we haven't yet heard you speak. Oh, he really hasn't spoken at all, has he? Oh, my God. And then Sally's talking about how she should stay away from him in a seemingly jokey way but Evelyn's like "Mm, I figured a small warning probably resided in her comment I'm like Evelyn you're noticing the red flags and just barreling over them I mean I'm barreling over them too so (laughs) I'm just going along with Evelyn right now I'm like yeah that that makes sense yeah I'll watch it but (laughs) yeah there's another oh I forgot about this the communications psychology one right where like everyone's like oh is he married yeah yeah does the ring that she describes here have anything to do with anything that happens later on yes Yes, it does okay because i was like why are we like talking about two rings in the span of three chapters well first it's so well true so jewelry yeah why like nobody cares that much about jewelry (laughs) unless this is gossip girl (laughs) Which it is not. <laughs> I I mean, the way that the ring's described, right? And she even says it. She's like, oh, this is the kind of ring you get if you belong to a society. Yeah. So it's hinting like, for you. quick jump. Yeah. Also, I don't understand. I've never seen a ring that belongs to a society in my entire life. Like, at least not that I can remember or well, that I have internalized in my memory. That's what a class ring is. Oh, that, that's true. But I don't have one, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, me neither. But it also kind of, I mean, this is 
pop culture again, so I'll, I'll just say it quickly. But it kind of reminded me of, like, the Daylight Rings from, like, the from Vampire Diaries. Like, the ones that the oh, Salvatores yeah. wear. Where it's, like, they all have these, like, elaborate crests on them. And they're laden with, ge- like, large gemstones. And so it just mm. ties them all together, but also maybe has some element of magic to it. And since we know, based off of reading this book, that there's a secret society... And we can, are reading the description of this book, that there's going to be a secret society. And um, also, we're getting magic vibes. It makes sense that the ring ties into all of it. Interesting. So, Professor Martin, I will see you again later. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And then I'm very curious how Jared survived the plane crash. Evelyn is also very curious about this. So at least she's asking the right questions. That's true. It doesn't really make sense that he survived. Those were all of my comments. There was a lot that happened in chapter three. Because we met so many characters. Oh, my biggest complaint in chapter three was the amount of classes that she had. I still can't get over it. It's a lot. Uh, Like, imagine um, having to do homework for all those classes and they're all psychology classes like you don't even get to do like gen ed to break it up a little bit and and back to back to back i mean give her a break in there seriously it really feels like high school and i do not enjoy it (laughs) i don't either i if that's what oxford is like not that i was applying there but glad i didn't go (laughs) yes thank goodness no (laughs) oxford for us I just also love, there's that whole description of one of the professors and his obligatory tweed jacket and how, like, he's the textbook example of an Oxford professor. I was just waiting for this. I was like, you can't write a book that takes place at Oxford and not have that academia reference in there. Like, the classic academia style. Oh, my God. (laughs) you need to have it it's very important it was in there it was obligatory and she's as far as i can tell done with it she's like okay great people dress like that here we're good everything's fine Woo! (laughs) oh those were my comments all right should we get into our pop culture references which oh we should probably explain this to the podcast guests so structure of the podcast (laughs) Um, we'll do a quick intro every episode where we'll talk about the things that we're drinking and then we'll, and also maybe catch up on our lives. We'll see what happens. Um, and then we'll talk about, uh, the synopses of each chapter. Once we finish the synopses, we'll go into general commentary that we've had just to kind of discuss how we're feeling about the chapter and like things that we're noticing and then we'll talk about our pop culture references so anything that sparked our mind when we were reading through that made us think of something else that we've been reading or talking about lately um and then we will after we finish that segment do our mvp of the week so whoever we think the most valuable player is in the chapters that we've been reading and then we'll end with julia giving the chapters uh, a review in the form of a wine review because Julie used to work oh, in wine. See, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited to hear what you got for us this week. Um, but anyways, <laughs> so for pop culture, uh, 
I had a couple things for chapter one. Not a lot, but a couple of things. So you can go first if you noticed anything. Well, my major one was the Professor Trelawney reference. But, you know, being That's chapter the three. that I am, I can't just have... <laughs> um, I have many HP references, mostly because I suck. And that's apparently all that I've read. <laughs> I support you, though. It's fine. It's ingrained um, into our brains. We've read the books way too many times. Uh, but I had loosely a connection between um, Harry Potter and the amulets in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her necklace. And I was like, maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Um... But then it also got me thinking because I just watched Lord of the Rings, right? Love it. With my parents. And I was like, oh, I feel like that could be a reference. That's it. <laughs> so jewelry. You just really honed in on yes. the jewelry. <laughs> I really did. Oh, God. I have a really – wait. So before I get into mine, the, I had a really funny – moment earlier today I was going back through my old YouTube channel and I had a um a video on there that I filmed for my German business class in college so it's a campaign or like not a campaign like um like a tv advertisement that I filmed in my house when I was home on spring break (laughs) and I roped in people to help me with this German campaign thing and so I had um like a little girl that used to babysit her mom were like eating mac and cheese the whole thing was for a mac and cheese food truck that's what we were doing the advertisement for so she they were speaking in English and eating mac and cheese and she was just going "Mm, mac and cheese and then it panned to me as a college student sitting on the floor just surrounded by books and papers speaking in like rapid fire German about how stressed I am about all of my things that I need to do for class and then I like go on a little like side tangent where I'm like saying that I really wanted to watch Lord of the Rings but I have too much to do so apparently that was my Lord of the Rings time in college (laughs) <laughs> because I was like, oh, yeah, die Herren der Ringe. Oh, no. And my mom was like, what did you just say you wanted to do? And I was like, I said I wanted to watch Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, anyways, found that today. <laughs> Very embarrassing. I'll send you the link later so you can make oh, fun of me. That. Um, But that has nothing to do with this book. <laughs> so I just love it. <laughs> okay, so chapter one, I... I wrote out little blurbs for all of my pop culture references by chapter so I'm just gonna go through them that way for chapter one the first kind of little glimpse that we meet of Evelyn like wandering through the snow storm trying to find something it's like is she trying to find herself is she actually trying to find the grave we don't know but the way it was being described just really reminded me of boys over flowers <laughs> oh she's my just, god like, wandering in the snowstorm <laughs> And I was like, obviously, Boys Over Flowers is a much more lighthearted situation in that episode, but the melodrama, same levels. Same. They're both both as anxiety-inducing, the main characters, so, you know, I don't blame you. Yeah, Evelyn and John D are about about there with each other. 
Oh my gosh. And then she has like an out-of-body experience at the funeral, I think, or maybe at the grave. It's not very clear. But every time someone has an out-of-body experience, I just like picture it happening as if it's like actually, like they're actually out of their body. And my brain goes to two places. Um, The first one is anytime Aang goes to the spirit world in Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) Okay, what's the other? The second is that episode of Pokemon where Haunter and Gengar take Ash's spirit out of his body and then they all fly around and do mischief together. And then Misty thinks he's dead and freaks out and then they give his spirit back to his body and he um, wakes back up. And those were both also very much less painful than Evelyn's pain. So I wish that that was what was happening to her in her out-of-body experience, even though I know it's not. Um... And then in, also in chapter one, we learned both of Evelyn's parents have died in a car crash. And I've been rewatching Vampire Diaries, if that's not oh my gosh. fully evident. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, yes, her parents died in a car crash. And then the two siblings were left alone. Hmm, that feels like the Gilberts. That feels like what happened to Elena and Jeremy. It also feels like there's probably something more nefarious at play than just a normal car crash, also like the Gilberts. Come on, any fantasy book with a car crash, it's not a car crash if it's in a fantasy book. Let's be real here. Sure, it wasn't a car crash in Harry Potter either. Yeah. Or it is a car crash. Oh my god, another Harry Potter reference. It's true. But (laughs) there there was no car even close, like remotely close to existing. Whereas at least within Vampire Diaries and in this book, there was an actual car crash. Yeah. It's just more probably mystical than we initially anticipated um (laughs) okay for chapter two the creepy guy that was following her around town i was getting like hardcore you vibes it just felt like she had a joe and i was like (laughs) because i have still so much trauma from reading that book and watching that tv show that like every time i see a man i'm like have i seen you before like what's happening why are you following me what's going on and i've that show made me way too paranoid (laughs) it's very bad um i also the life of a woman um yeah so so true um Okay, I don't know. Had you? She mentions a song that she listens to as she's on the train, which I had never heard. I'm shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. Oh my god! Yeah, yep. They're a kind of Irish band without, I think, technically being Irish. Yeah, it felt yeah. like an Irish drinking song, but metal, yeah. like a metal I'm, Irish I'm a... drinking song. I forgot about that. I was very confused, but I was like, when was this published? Because they are a popular band. Okay, that, th- that doesn't really make any sense. I feel like maybe a few years before that, okay? But maybe that's just really big in Germany. Maybe. It was really know. random. I, I looked it up because I'd never heard it, and I was like, this is a weird song to like start your journey to Oxford with, but okay, I guess. Do you think it has like any connection to what happens later on or it's just a throwaway i think it's just a throwaway like the author likes the song or something i don't know it just was weird i looked Shout it up because i didn't know it Murphy's. we watched Woo-hoo. them they did a um a quarantine concert on saint patrick's day this year and we watched them 
This was before you joined us. Yes, obviously. I came in April, so. <laughs> Fun, I guess. Yay! <laughs> Go Dropkick Murphys. Good for them for getting their name in a random German book. Very proud of them. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't know. This is maybe just my reading thing, and I you probably haven't read either of these two books that I'm going to mention, but... There's something about books set in England where there's always so much, like, described around people getting picked up at train stations. Like, it's a trope of books set in England. And I don't know why it, but instantly I was like, oh, yes, let me think of these other three, two, three books that I've read in the last year that were set in England, where there's this whole big to do about how they're getting away from the train station. Um (laughs) And it's like a lot of times it's a random stranger who's picking you up, but then they turn out to be integral to the plot, or at least like a good, compelling side character to the plot. Um, And it doesn't matter the genre. It happens across all genres of books set in England. So I read a thriller novel last year called The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. And then I read a romance novel this year called A Duke by Default by Alyssa Cole. And it happened in both of those books. Completely different authors, completely different vibes. Both the authors are from different countries. But it's a motif I've never seen happen in a book set in the U.S. It's just weird. I don't get it. Well, are we they don't take trains. Picked but... up? Yeah. Are they picked up by, like, random strangers? Or, like, somebody has a connection to someone? So, like, in this book, like, Ruth is obviously a stranger to her, right? But there's a connection, in and of knows itself. her. And then in the turn of the key, she gets picked up by the, she's going to be a nanny for this like house in Scotland. So she gets picked up by the gardener of the house um, who says that he'll take her to the house. And then in a juke by default, she calls like an Uber equivalent. Um, but it ends up being a guy that like knows her employer that she's going to go meet her employer for the very first time. Um, huh. So they're always, like, still connected, even if they don't know what's going on. Or, like, they don't think that they're the plot. It's very interesting. Um, well, yeah. I know that, like, with my German relatives, it's or German family friends, like, it's much more, I think, common to, like, pick up people that you know, which is why I asked. But, like, I don't know. Like, if it's a stranger, it shouldn't really matter. But maybe it really is a big to-do, like, over there to get picked up from the train station and who is picking you up you have to know them I get yeah it's so it's just was very like interesting to me because I don't know of anything similar that happens in books set in the U.S. yeah well because I, most of us just take cabs and we're like we're not gonna think twice about it also <laughs> like, we don't make travel a lot like you don't I yeah. feel like a lot of books based in the U.S. there's not a lot of travel happening unless it's like you driving a car or you taking the subway and it's a lot more like yeah. active versus passive when it comes to transportation yeah um it's true interesting no one cares about this but i found it fascinating um and then her whole obsession with water i was just vibing with all of the water talking characters <laughs> that love water because as you know 2020 has been my uh rick riordan year so I'm just like, ah, oh, oh, yeah. you know who else is comfortable in the water? Percy Jackson. How I love him. <laughs> but then I also am watching a K-drama 
um, right now called The Bride of uh, Habeck. And the main character, the main male character is the god of water. And he also likes to take long baths. <laughs> so oh it's my just god. my year of water people. It's 2-0. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why it's happening, but it is. Uh, that's all for chapter two. Chapter three, uh, the red-haired girl reminds me of Vivian from the beginning of Legally Blonde, where she calls her out in class and says that she oh my kicked gosh. her out. You're, you're completely right. That's so funny. I was like, oh, oh yes. No. Bitchy girls in college. Legally Blonde had that on the market first. That's true. Uh, so bad. Um, also, this entire chapter felt very Twilighty to me. With and it's because of the trope, one hundred percent. With like the the sexual tension of two characters that they don't quite realize is there yet, but like the girls feeling watched and a boy staring intently at her, like that just felt very <laughs> Bella and Edward when I was reading yeah. it. Even though it's exactly what happens to Evelyn and Jared, and then you also have Sally who's describing. Jared, which felt very much like Jessica oh describing Edward. Yes, you're right. Oh, jeez, I didn't even make that connection. Because she was I bitter about something. In too long. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna start soon. My mom's been like, my mom and I have been rewatching Vampire Diaries together, and she's been like hardcore watching Vampire Diaries, like three to four episodes a day. Um, which is a lot for her. And I'm trying to get her to stop watching TV so we can start Midnight Sun and I'm gonna read it to her. Um, but I forgot about that. Yeah. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I want your take on it. I don't know if I can bring myself to read it. I'm gonna probably say it's trash and I love it, which is what I say about all of the Twilight books. I love Be that. my guess, because I recognize that they're trash and I still love them. <laughs> and I can't help it. So I love most things I read. Um, but yeah, it just felt very Twilighty. But then when Evelyn describes Jared, there's something about the way she describes him that he's like soft and also athletic at the same time. Like that he's not a muscle head, but he's like got a level of intelligent, like seemingly intelligent thought to him as well as still being like fit. And the way that she was describing him, even though obviously the other physical characteristics are very different, was just like very reminiscent of Michael Moskowitz to me. <laughs> and I was oh, just, no. I got lost in my little like love bubble oh, for Michael Moskowitz. I know you love Michael Moskowitz. There's no one who so loves him much. more. That's so funny. I'm pretty sure in like middle school, I put or junior high, I put together a list of my top like 10 fictional character, like fictional men that I wanted to marry. And it went Michael Moskowitz and then Mr. Darcy. That's how much oh I like Michael Moskowitz. <laughs> That's hilarious. Listen, I, I, want a, that. I want a boy who designs a robot in Japan to prove his love for me. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, the other Twilight thing where we have um, 
like they keep staring at each other but like clearly everyone around jared is like trying to push her away or like push him away and like keep them apart it the it felt very much like especially rosalie but also the rest of the colons at the beginning before they start dating trying to keep him isolated and like away from bella so that he doesn't do anything stupid Hmm. yeah you're right and then I already made my Vampire Diaries comment around the rings in the descriptions. My last comment, which this is, again, trash, so I apologize in advance. But I love when an Arthurian story that's in modern days has characters who study Arthurian legends. I, oh, oh my God. I think I made a note about that, too. And I was like, oh. It reminds oh me no. of Avalon High. Did you ever watch Avalon High? I don't think I did. Okay, so it's, that... a, it's a decom. Okay, I was going to say, I, I was that with the guy who was also on the Wizards of Waverly Place? Or am I making that up? Greg Sulkin? It's been so long. Yes. Is that who you're talking about? I feel like Greg Sulkin yeah. was in it. Yeah. Yes, he was in Avalon High. That's correct. Okay. Um, he's like the main guy character. So... In that movie, the main female character, I don't remember any of their names, um, her <laughs> parents are Arthurian scholars, and they like their professors, oh. they've been studying it their entire lives, and then she ends up, like, waking up into this world where everyone has a role to play as a character in King Arthur's court. Um, it's fascinating, and... <laughs> I, it's great. And her parents are just like, well, you could do this with this rock, and this is what this order was, and blah, 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 and stuff. And I'm like, I really hope Professor Mayflower is going to be like Because <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> also, I just take in all of the culture and stuff that has to do with Arthurian legends, because it's so fun. That was it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, that was a lot. Just me of another one. <laughs> that was a lot. Um, it reminded me, though, did you ever read the Fallen series? I don't remember who it was by. That sounds the Guardian Angels. Familiar, but maybe not. I think there's like a devil in there. I don't know. I think there was a lot of biblical refer- references that I just did not get. I'm sorry. Did you make me watch a weird movie related <gasps> to this? I did make you watch the movie. Yeah. Okay, so you have some idea of it, but like. It's the same idea of this girl who shows up after an accident to the school and, like, everybody but her is in on this, like, secret, right? And she's, like, drawn to this one guy and the one guy seems drawn to her, but, like, it feels like they should be together, right? And then, like, weird stuff is happening around her. It's, like, the same thing. Yeah. But just slightly different context. Yep. I so much of it. Nope, that's so, but yeah. that's so much YA fantasy. Like, it's bad. It really, really is. Oh, my God. I love it, though. I love, I love reading this kind of crap. It's so good. Um, so, okay. Oh, me, too. I will read 500 different versions any day. <laughs> All of the versions. Um, okay, I have one question for you before we move to, <laughs> we move to MVPs. What character do you think Jared is tied to? Arthurian character. Oh. Hmm. 
I'm gonna say, oh, that's hard. I want to say Arthur Pendragon, only because like not I I don't have enough info I think to make a we good know nothing about him right yeah. now, but because of yeah, but because of his last name, <laughs> because of Combury and Pendragon, that's literally all I know. That's fair. So that's why I was that yeah they both have fancy british names that's that's true um i the reason i ask is because i'm gonna keep checking in until we discover who who he ties to i don't remember when we discover it so i want to see if your answer changes from week to week as you get more information okay i'm Um, excited (laughs) okay i feel like i'm way off (laughs) well i mean you named someone who's in arthurian legends so well, can't be that the awful. named character of Arthurian legends himself. <laughs> right, but you could have also been like, uh, yep, he's Morgana's son. And then I would be like, that's way <laughs> off, Julia. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he is Morgana's son. We'll see. I, I don't think he is, but it'd be a fun twist. <laughs> he's actually evil. That. So we know he won't actually be evil. He's too cute for him to be actually evil, unfortunately. Um, okay, MVPs. Who's your who's your most valuable player from <laughs> all of the uh, backstory that we got and no action <laughs> that happened in these first three chapters? You know, I'm gonna say Sally. It was, I think it was a hard choice for me between Sally and Zara. Sally, you know, she saw that she, that Evelyn was struggling and she was a very good person and went to help her. She could have easily just let her. Honestly, would I have helped Evelyn? I don't know. But she went up and helped her in the sure. middle of the class. You sure. can't say that about a lot of people. In, like The point is it's in the middle of the class. Like You want to be looking towards your professor and taking in the lecture. You don't want to have that distraction of having to go help someone. So it was really big of her to do that. Um, and then she's like, she's just like, seems like a nice person. I don't she's know. Cool. I hope she's she turns out to be cool. good. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, from everything we know about Sally right now, she seems cool. She seems willing to help, lovable. Sally's going to be fun. I'm, I'm glad she has a friend in Sally. Um, yeah. My MVP is going to be Zara because if Zara didn't mm-hmm. step up and do all of the stuff for Evelyn, um, Evelyn would probably be in foster care, whatever that looks like in England. Probably wouldn't be going to Oxford right now. So Zara true. gave her a path forward to make that happen. And also, I mean, despite all of the dialogue going on in our country right now, like she died in the line of fire, and that is. Yeah, she's still a hero in a lot of respects. So I don't know what the police situation is in 2015 England. It probably isn't great, but, you know, I respect her for putting her life on the line. Yeah, I, I agree. Know. I'm glad that you picked her. Yeah, we got we got the two only characters that could have been MVPs. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Evelyn just Felix. No. <laughs> I mean, I could almost pick, like, I would say, if I had to pick from another two characters, I would say either the red-haired girl or uh, Professor Mayflower, because the red-haired mm. girl, even though she's a bitch, 
she's giving Evelyn adversity. And <laughs> it'll make her stronger in the long run. <laughs> um, I, sets up character yeah. growth. Or Professor Mayflower. She's she's clearly just trying to look out for Jared and, and do the right thing. Um, whatever she thinks that may be. She may be wrong. She may be right. We'll see. But she clearly cares one way or the other. And it's going to make for some interesting plot discussions in the next couple of chapters. So. Okay. I'm looking forward I still forward to Zara. That. I think Zara <laughs> for the backstory setup is so good. Um, all right. So what do you got for us from a wine review? Well, you know, this was, they were not necessarily deep chapters. You get a lot of setup, but not a whole lot of character development for our main character, Evelyn. So I would say you're going to want to drink these chapters, drink yourself to sleep with these chapters with a barefoot you know, red wine, one of these kind of cheaper red red wines, because they're not, you're not going to want to crack open something very expensive. They're not expensive chapters. They're they're kind of honestly a little bit surface level. I really dragged these chapters. Did I enjoy them? Yes. Would I enjoy a barefoot Cabernet Sauvignon? Absolutely. Do I even know if they make a barefoot Cabernet Sauvignon? (laughs) No, I have no idea. Uh, would I normally drink it? No. Would I normally read this book? No. But you recommended it to me. I am fully into it. And I am, you know, I would, same as a barefoot Cabernet Sauvignon, I would still drink it. (laughs) But for the next chapters, I'm really hoping it's going to go up to maybe like a Trader Joe's level Cabernet Sauvignon. (laughs) So I would say a fresh start. I'm excited to see how it develops on the tongue if you will mm-hmm. so i would give it a, a six out of ten it's not all right that terrible you know all right i give it a melodrama a six out of ten is actually pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um I, I, I have i'm very forgiving with ya books very forgiving because i love them right. so much i will drag them to the ends of the earth but at the end of the day I still love them. But we do it out of love. We drag them out of love. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, I fully agree with that. Though I would say even a barefoot cab, if they do make one, might be a little bit too full-bodied for these first three chapters. i go with a barefoot <laughs> You're Pinot right. Noir. <laughs> You're right. Honestly, kind of that light. Let's, yeah. Let's go with a maybe a barefoot Merlot, something super generic. Okay, Merlot. That's good, too. You don't like Merlot. I don't. No, I prefer Pinot Noir, but it's fine. (laughs) Uh, I love that. I've had one too many Pinot Noirs in my life, so I'm I'm tired of them. I've smelled one too many Merlots in my life that now I just can't get near them. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Well, this has been super enjoyable. We took forever to record this well i guess that's pretty much it for chapters one through three and we will see everyone next week to discuss chapters four through six and i'm sure we'll have a lot of things to talk about um including more about evelyn's insane class schedule and our thoughts (laughs) on felix and his levels of creepiness and how they may increase or decrease from chapter to chapter and hopefully we maybe actually get to hear Jared speak. 
Oh, that's the dream. The dream. <laughs> Our so prince. <laughs> I mean, anyone that has pretty dark blue eyes, like honestly, I'm here for it. I need more of that content. Um, yeah, I same. Like you don't you don't see that a lot. You see light blue eyes. And I want dark blue eyes. I'm here for it. But I actually think his necklace or her his eyes match the color of the ring gemstone. Because they said that the <gasps> ring gemstone was dark blue. You're right. <gasps> wow. Oh, my gosh. If we don't end this podcast, we're going to go on about all these connections. <laughs> I was just talking about jewelry for another two hours. Crazy people. <laughs> Um, no, well, it's because it's so heavily emphasized, you know. It is it's they're very she's very heavy handed with her foreshadowing, but I don't yeah. mind it because it's kind of refreshing to actually be able to like figure stuff out easily yes, where you don't have to work true. for it. Because like the foreshadowing in like Harry Potter, for example, is beautiful and it's very well done but you don't actually realize uh-huh. it's foreshadowing until you get there. Whereas yep. like here, it's like, oh, I don't have to think so hard. Thank you. <laughs> this is some light reading. Yeah, it's like a light read. It's very easy, very straightforward. Hopefully next time I don't take seven pages of notes like I did this time because this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I have a problem. Yeah. I have a serious problem. <laughs> um, but it'll all be fine. All right. So we'll join back next week. And super excited Yay. to hear how school is going for you in the meantime. Hope you have a good oh week. Oh, my gosh. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.